we wanted to make some time for some Q&A for you guys. Um, I don't know if you came here with a question on your mind or maybe one's been stirred up since we've been here, but we did want to create space for that. Um, we're getting Nate a mic here, but what's going to happen over this, the next 20 minutes or so is I'll move around the room with a mic, um, and if you have a question, just slip your hand up. We would ask that in respect to the rest of the guys in the room, maybe your question isn't sermon length, I think, Tolian said. <laughs> no, no sermon length questions, um, but certainly if there's a question you want to throw at one of these guys, we've created space to do that. Um, so with that, I will turn it over to you guys, and we'll, we'll move around the room and, and put the mic in your face when you're ready. Okay, right over here. What's your name, man? My name's Chris. Chris, what's your question? So in, in all honesty, for either of you guys, you know, going through the path that you've gone through, what do you, in your own minds, feel about the person you were? Like the, the, the things that you've done, the, the knowing the person that you are and were back then, how do you feel about that person now? I have a tremendous amount of compassion for that young hmm. man. I didn't. I hated myself when I first came in the rooms. Hated myself. I'd spent years hating myself, and I thought, really, if I could hate myself or hate my sin enough, I could stop. Hmm. Uh, only to find out there was no bottom there. Uh, I, I, I uh, and it's, I've, I am able to experience some of God. I know God loved that confused guy the whole time. Hmm. And, uh, hmm. yeah, I feel a lot of compassion for him. Thanks. I want to kick his ass, <laughs> to be honest with you, sometimes. I look back and I just think, you know, I like what he said, and I'm getting to that point. I'm getting there. Um, I just, I still struggle with feelings of guilt and shame and regret and loss. I still do. It, it's, it's still hard for me to, sometimes I feel like a restless wanderer looking for something familiar that I can't find anymore. Um, <clears throat> I have the greatest relationship with my three kids. My daughter Jenna lives with us. My two sons live a little bit south of here. We're, we're super close. I'm so grateful for their forgiveness and their grace in my life. Um, but man, I could take you back to the day that I told them what I had done, and I can remember every word that came out of their mouth like it happened five seconds ago. And it's hard for me to relive those moments. Um, and I just want to slap that dude in the face and say, you were given so much and you squandered it all for what? And what, what does it profit a man to gain a fortune and lose his soul? I mean, it's just, so um, I would probably knock him out and then help him up. <laughs> but I want to get to that point. <laughs> great question. That's great. Another question somewhere? Right here. Sorry, your hand first. Hi, I'm Brian. Um, thank you for hosting this tonight and resurrecting this building. I, I attended church here about eight, ten years ago and come mm. back and see what you're transforming into. Mm. I, I'm curious, why did you choose Jupiter to shine your light and um, mm. bring your skills to this next level in our world? Why this place? 
Jupiter chose us. <laughs> um, my wife and I were living in Fort Myers at the time. Um, I'm from Fort Lauderdale. She's from Texas. The first year we were married, we lived in Texas. And after about a year, we moved to Fort Myers at the request of uh, a good friend who was a pastor of a church there. Some of those men are here tonight, and I thank God for them. Um, they took me in when nobody else would, and they nursed me back to health in so many different ways. And as I started sharing my story more openly, I kind of went dark for a while. And then when I started sharing my story more openly, I started getting invitations to speak. And so I was traveling and speaking. And I, I'm, a, I'm such a regimented guy that I hate traveling. I mean, I, just, I don't mind going on a trip for vacation, but I had to get on an airplane every week. My wife would go with me, but we were traveling to a different city every week. And I was grateful for the opportunities that I had and for the people that I met along the way, but I hated being on the road. And so we got a phone call from a friend of mine who had been here for 20 years and said that she uh, was part of a church that was undergoing some massive changes. And there was a group of people that were interested in the possibility of Stacy and I moving here to start a church. And to be honest with you, I didn't want to do it. I mean, I was like, I'm not going back to Egypt, man. I, I, I do not want to entrust my life back into the hands of Christians. I'm not doing it. I was scared. And yet, I wanted to get off the road and invest in one place. And I wanted to be back on the east coast of Florida because it's home, southeast coast of Florida. Um, and so... God, through my wife and through some of those circumstances, led us here in the spring of 2019. We started in a hotel ballroom and then moved to a theater and then moved to Palm Beach Gardens High School Auditorium. And then that was, we were six months old, third place in six months. And then God, God, COVID shut us down. God's in charge of all that stuff. Don't misunderstand me. But, and we were shut down for eight months. And I thought, well, this is it. I mean, this is, we don't even have a building. I couldn't even live stream like a lot of churches were doing because we didn't have a building. I didn't have a media team. We had nothing. I mean, we were bare bones. Um, and then we, this place came available and we started getting it ready and we moved in a year ago and we didn't know if there was even going to be anybody to show up. And slowly but surely, God has been sort of doing some exciting things here. And I, I can tell you this, I am more, uh, I probably have never had less as an adult than I have right now. And I've never been more content than I am. I am enjoying a freedom in ministry that I don't know if I ever experienced. Um, the gospel endows you with a sanctified I don't careness because everything I need in Christ I have, I'm so free to just, it sucks sitting in front of groups of people and saying, I cheated on my first wife. It's embarrassing to say that stuff. But if you walk away from me because of that, I've lost nothing. Because the only person whose acceptance and approval I really and ultimately need is God's, and I already have it, thanks to Jesus. So that, that makes us a little bit like the outcast church led by the outcast pastor full of outcast people, and I dig it. It's like punk rock to me, and I dig it. So, Good. thanks, Tolian. <laughs> Question from this side. Yeah. Tell us your name, man. Hey, my name is Zachariah Sasani. Uh, it's a question to both you guys. Um, what would you tell to either 
uh, say your son is single, uh, and this could probably relate with other people as well, single guys or everybody else who has sons in here, to uh, someone who struggles with uh, being single and staying single, right? Mm. The thing is, is having sex is great. Mm. And so it's something that I struggle with. And so I know that God didn't give me an identity for me to shatter somebody else's. Mm. And I finally got to a point in my life where I knew I broke God's heart. Mm. It was recent. But yet, a part of that relapse process is sometimes happening again and again. And so my thing is this, is that I know God's preparing me for something, but it's so hard. And I feel like uh, every time I get close to somebody, right, especially in that regard, uh, that form of intimacy, who knows why, but that's a big struggle for me. Mm. I don't want to keep doing that, mm. right? So what would you tell us, either your son or just a single guy, either of you guys? Thank you. Yeah, first of all, be grateful that you have the drive. Because <laughs> the, the day it's gone, you're dead, right? Uh, and don't think that old guys don't have it. Uh, uh, I, thought, I thought I'd outgrow it. It didn't, it didn't work. Uh, what has so enriched my marriage and made it, so my marriage is so much I mean, it's so much better than it ever, ever was in the mm. years when I was bright and shiny and working much harder at it, by the way, is that um, I have learned and I'm continuing to cultivate the skills of non-sexual intimacy with my brothers. I have multiple conversations every day. I am not alone. Um, and the reason that wives push husbands out the door to go to Samson or whatever other group is they like what comes back because that guy is learning how to talk not just sports and weather or theology, but to share what's going on in here, right? To actually connect. As a young man, or the first 20 years of my marriage, if I had told you, if somebody asked me, were you intimate with your wife last night? The question in my mind was, did you have sex? Because that's how intimacy was designed for hmm. me. Actually, I had sex with my wife for years without intimacy. Hmm. I was using her. I, I objectified her. Uh, I was operating on lust rather than love, and lust takes, and love gives, and lust sees a body, and love sees a person, and I didn't know how to connect. And she sensed that I was using her more than loving her, mm. but that was what we had, mm. and it was perform and it was not connection. Nor was, and I paid a lot of money for a lot of bad sex over the years, trying to meet a deep need that that never meets. Hmm. Spend these years cultivating your intimacy, intimacy skills with trustworthy brothers. Hmm. My wife now feels like she has 50 brothers-in-law, hmm. right? She's not alone. Uh, the, a friend of mine, Scott Grissom, has a great thing he says to college kids. He'll say, uh, he'll say to college guys, he'll go, hey, if five years from now you're married, and your wife is your best friend, God bless you, you have won the lottery. Mm. <laughs> but if five years from now, you're married, and your wife is your only friend, <laughs> you're fucked, and so is she. <laughs> <laughs>
That's good. It's good. Somebody else on this side? Yeah. I like hearing those words in church that honestly. All right, back here in the back. Stand up, brother. Just an observation. And I, and I know talking back before and from the high school to the big church to the, the grand stage and the books and, 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 and you know and I know that suffering produced a far better preacher than you ever were. Because now, like you said, it freed you to, to, you were always hindered what you could say, what you couldn't say. And now I can see the, the freedom to say what is really in your heart without worrying about how it's going to be received. Hmm. You know, I was there the day they tried to, they had the big vote. He was too radical. Right? So they're going to vote. Voting. He's only been there. How long were you there? Seven years. No, I mean, how long were you there? Oh, I had been there for six months. Six months? Yeah. They herald him in. He preaches Jonah, and they want him out. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for bringing up a sore memory, Dean. I appreciate it. I had just gotten over that experience. (laughs) But you preached a sermon that day that was, right? Mm. And then somewhere along the line, but that suffering, you saw that God mm. had something, like you said in the beginning, 12, 12 real believers mm. are better than 10,000 mm. unbelievers. You know? Thank you for saying that. An amazing, and I don't know if you guys realize, that's an amazing, amazing <laughs> preacher. An amazing, if you realize you're witnessing something that you can't find anywhere. Dean, I'll, I will, uh, I'll, I'll pay you what I promised later. Thank you very much. <laughs> back here in the back. We got time for a couple more questions right here in the back. What's your name? Hi, my name's Doug. And first thing I want to say is it's uh, so refreshing to see transparency live and unashamed. And, you know, all of us are learning from that. The second thing I want to say is that there are a lot of people in here from a lot of different churches. And uh, the phrase I'm, I'm trying to circulate is, we're all on the same team. And there's a board outside with my chicken scratch on it. And it, and it has other men's events from other churches listed. And, and the men in this room, we need to support other men, we need to support other churches because we're stronger together. So please take a picture of it. I put a lot of time into that. So just, but, Was there but, a question in there somewhere, Doug? Yeah. So, so, so the question is, is, the question is for Tolian is when do you feel like it is finished? Oh, gosh. Well, I'm beginning to feel like this night is almost finished. 
That would be one example. Um, the beautiful thing about the gospel is it, it, it sin forces you to rediscover it every day. Let me put it more um, accurately. Um, the gospel rediscovers me every day. Martin Luther said, I have to preach the gospel to my people every week because they forget it every week. And I have to preach the gospel to myself every day because I forget it every day. Um, I don't know if we ever get to a point, and I don't think we will even get to a point when we're in the next world, that we ever outgrow our need to hear it is finished, ever. I think part of what makes heaven heaven is that we're going to be so tangibly aware of the ongoing it is finishedness that it's just impossible not to feel free. Impossible. So, so the answer is I, I don't ever feel like I've arrived at it is finished. And I'm learning new stuff. I mean, there, I, let me say this. The message that I preach week in and week out, and I've said this before, I do not believe preachers are called to say 10,000 different things. I believe they are called to say one thing 10,000 different ways, Amen. period. I don't need a life coach teaching me how to live a better life. I need someone to diagnose me as a needy sinner and then deliver Jesus to me every single Sunday, every Sunday. Um, and... Um, and the message that I preached then is no different than the message I preach now, content-wise. I believed it then. It has infiltrated the unevangelized portions of my being in ways that it never did before. And so, in that sense, the messenger is just a different dude. <laughs> um, but the message is the same. And if anything, people have asked me... Um, is what you believe different now than what you believed before? And I say, actually, no. What I believed before proved itself to be true when I was at the bottom. Um, so I believe it more now. I'm more convinced. I'm more obstinate and stubborn about saying this now than I ever was before. And I was obstinate and stubborn about saying it before. But I told our church a couple weeks ago, I said, if... If there, are, if there are three people in here, I'm preaching the same thing. Like, I, I, I have no, I, I, don't, I don't, it's not like, okay, well, what do we got to do to fill the room, and what do we got to say, and what do we got to do to draw the people? I'm not interested in that. Let God build his church. That, that's his job. Thank God. I just want to, I want to say some iteration of it is finished every single Sunday, um, because I need to hear it as much as everybody else does. That's good. Hey, we got time for one more question here. Yes, sir, brother. Real simple. What's the greatest wound that you can't explain by your own screw up? Oh, it came along. It's a pain you just got to accept it. 
Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, for me, it was my mother's death by suicide when I was 10. Mm. That left a pretty big hole, mm. made me pretty damn vulnerable to what I finally found. Yeah, it happens, yeah. Man, I don't know. Um, I, I'm not going to say that I don't understand this, because I, I think at some level I do. But the fact that I could be, that I could write book after book and preach sermon after sermon about getting off the performance treadmill while living my life on it, I'm like, dude, we are, <laughs> we're jacked up, yeah. you know? We just are. And I, Christianity is not about making us less jacked up. It's about making us realize that Jesus loves and died for jacked up people. And that love begins to, the heat of that love begins to melt our hearts. Um, but I, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I have a good friend who was the pastor of the church in Fort Myers named Pat Thurmer who said, I've been in the church for 60 some odd years. And to be honest with you, he's a long time pastor. Been in the church for 60 some odd years and I've been disappointed in the church for 60 some odd years. And he said, because there's one thing I just can't explain. Why is it that we as a church, universal, are the last group in society that says we believe in original sin, and yet we're always so shocked when we encounter it. Like, I, <laughs> like why does it shock us when people screw up? I mean, my gosh, this is what was so brilliant about Paul Zoll's ministry to me. He expected me to be jacked up. He expected it. He expected sinners to sin and liars to lie and, and, and deceivers to deceive. Um, and because he expect, because his, he had, I, I have very low expectations of human beings, okay? Um, and I don't think that's a bad thing. That actually helps me love them when they really screw up. So, um, and if you read the Bible with any care or concern at all, and you read those portions of the Bible where God himself, through one of the Bible writers, diagnoses the human race, I mean, it's some bad stuff, man. There's no one righteous, no, not one. There's no one who does good. Our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Um, so uh, I think when we are able to admit the truth about ourselves... I don't know how to, I do not know how to showcase how amazingly good God is without showing you some of my badness. I don't know how to do it. I just, I don't know how to do it. And I think that's when grace shines brightest. So. That's awesome. Hey, give these guys one more hand for me, would you? And it's, it's been so great uh, for, just for me personally to meet you, Nate, and then to hear and, and listen to you, Talian. Mm. It's just been a gift. I hope you guys have had fun tonight, and I hope you've been blessed and encouraged. Um, I know I have.